There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery. Code Wondery. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast, episode number 100. I am clapping alone in my office because I'm the only person who's here at the moment other than my dog Scott who is fervently licking his own butthole right now which is how dogs celebrate things Jesus Christ Scott what could possibly be in there that's so delicious but this is very special we've made it 100 episodes uh we didn't build anything into the episode itself to say hey it's 100 uh but we did have Simon Pegg on which to me is special enough to make that the 100th episode, so that is what we've done. We have also have a, a very special guest who drops by, Joel McHale! So, uh, I'm sorry, I have a cold. But let me just tell you about a couple quick things. First of all, we are shooting the Nerdist TV pilot uh, for BBC America in Los Angeles on the evening of Tuesday, June 28th, and I would like you to be a guest. Now, we only have 40 slots for audience members. The guest is Craig Ferguson. So, here's what I uh, want to do. You have to come in costume if you want to come. Like, Comic-Con style, you've got to rock a costume. So, if you're willing to do that, email your name, age, why you should get one of the 40 slots, and what costume you want to wear uh, to audience at Nerdist.com. Submission deadline is Friday, June 24th. Also, Comic-Con show. Nerdist podcast live at Comic-Con July 23rd. That's a Saturday. And Nerdist is coming to Montreal, the Just for Laughs Festival, on July 28th. Go to Nerdist.com for all of that information. Also, some great shows coming up at Nerd Melt. Nerdist at Meltdown, June 20th. We're doing a Nerdist podcast live with Tom Lennon and Ben Garant. Also, June 23rd, uh, David Koechner and Dana Gould bring Carneville to Nerd Melt. And July 7th, Jackie Cation ports Dork Forest live at Nerd Melt. Uh, go to meltcomics.com to get information and tickets for all those. And June 30th, in San Francisco, Nerdist is co-presenting An Evening with Children's Hospital. Rob Corddry, Rob Hubel, Aaron Hayes, Lake Bell, Paul Shear, June Raphael, and Jonathan Stern will all be there. Uh, go to sfsketchfest.com if you want to get information for that. You live in San Francisco and you're free June 30th. Or maybe you're not free and you just want to cancel your plans. That works too. Creepy hugs. You know, the kind your uncle gives you is not really your uncle, but he hangs around your parents so much they call him your uncle. Go to gotomeeting.com by Citrix. Uh, this is web conferencing. They've won just about every award uh, in that field that you could possibly win. And yes, there are awards for that field because web conferencing is the thing that we need now. But forget about awards. Think about what customers think, people who actually use it all the time. They say the UI is simple and smart, dynamic. They're thrilled they've switched. You can schedule in advance or on the fly. Everyone sees your computer desktop on their screen. You can collaborate on files and documents in real time. Yes, it is available for Mac or PC. You can use GoToMeeting for product reviews, demos, sales presentations, training sessions, weekly status meetings. Adult goings on. Sign up today for a free 30-day trial of GoToMeeting. Hold all the meetings you want for one low flat rate. Phone and voice over IP conferencing is included for free. So visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, enter the promo code NERDIST. 
And now, the Nerdist Podcast episode number 100, holy cats, with Simon Pegg and super secret guest Joel McHale. I know, don't tell me on Twitter that I gave it away. I know I gave it away, because I know how words work. Uh, but I have to tell you, it was so much fun kind of watching them nerd out over each other, because they are actually fans of each other. So it was really fun to hang out with everyone. We had an amazing time. So I hope you do as well. Thanks for listening to the announcements, and uh, enjoy the episode. Freaking love you so much. Now entering Nerdist.com. This equipment looks like it does stuff, but it's... Look, you're, we're still recording everything onto CDs. Did you press play and record? I did at the yeah, same, yeah, time. same time. Good. Yeah. Du- Got to dub the tapes afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Make it sound real fast. <laughs> so we're going to get two tape players back and forth and then make, <laughs> make like radio shows. How else am I supposed to get my Faith No More tapes from my friend? It's pretty sweet. <laughs> Faith No More? I was making fucking Neil Diamond tapes. I'm a little older than you. That's true. Uh, Simon Pegg is here. Hey. Simon, thank you so much for being here. It's my absolute pleasure. Well, it is our incredible pleasure to have you here, as we are enormous fans of your work. Oh, thank you very much. Um, and I don't know, uh, I don't expect you to remember this, because it all happened so fast, and there was a stabbing, but I moderated the panel for Paul at Comic-Con yes, last of year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we were about to go on stage, and security came back and said, uh, everyone back up. Yeah, how could I forget? It was like Altamont for nerds. <laughs> <laughs> News came back. It was weird, wasn't it? It was like, someone's been stabbed. Yeah. And then it was... then just It was some, the Hells Angels. Someone was mildly poked in the head with a pen, I yes. think, is what happened. Yeah, because I'm thinking, you know, like 50 feet from Hall H that you can buy Morning Stars and yeah. Maces, and then it was like, mechanical pencil, the nerd switchblade, <laughs> click, click, stab. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of weird though because they, they, they locked the whole place down and and it was all everything went a bit weird for a while and we didn't know because as far as we were concerned someone had been gutted <laughs> with, a, with a replica Klingon <laughs> sword badly those are around yeah. too it's so weird walking into Comic Con too and having the weapons check yeah it's yeah. like it's like yeah put your swords and shit here <laughs> I know though but if there was if there was ever a place for someone to just go mental and just like go through and just start ca- throwing a katana into people surprise it hasn't happened before surprise there hasn't really been a history of violence at uh, Comic Con it is a surprise isn't it yeah you'd expect the history that to of violence more. really wouldn't market to Comic Con I don't know why that movie all right would so you're play. representing yeah. a movie that was very clever wordplay on, on your a part. Comic book. Listen, they market anything at Comic Con now. Come on. <laughs> Seriously. So what? I mean, what? Were, are what are the cons like? Were, were there? There must have been cons when you were growing up. Tell, tell us about. Tell us about the British nerdscape because you and I are about the same age. Tell us about the British nerdscape when you were growing up. Well, it was in its infancy. It wasn't the kind of you know commercial beer moth that it is now. It was just about being into kind of like stuff and uh, people who like football didn't like you. That was kind of it, you know. When there was that, the, this the, obviously Star Wars was the explosion in in the mid seventies, and then uh, everything kind of changed, and various nerd tribes sort of emerged from that. There were the Star Wars fans, and they're the people that thought the black hole was better, and right, you know, idiots. And, uh, <laughs> and just various kind of. Um, for me, it was like I, I there, there was Star Wars, and then I was into the Incredible Hulk and Marvel comics as well between films, and then Empire came out, and then I was E.T. mad until Jedi came out. Mm-hmm. And um, 
we were just sucking up American culture, really, because it, you know, all the, all the, all the sort of nerdy stuff was. Apart from Doctor Who, of course. I note your T-shirt. Uh, yes, Dalek on. I Dalek London. Well, and you were in the Long Game. From I was. Yeah, I'm just gonna start naming episodes. <laughs> I mean, you got to be on Doctor Who. I was weird. I for me, I, I, I mentioned it in the book, but I, I did meet Tom Baker when I was eight. <gasps> And who was my Doctor Who, you know, yes. when I was a kid. When it was much less, I mean, when the production values were laughable. <laughs> Black box <laughs> theater in a rubber mask? It was, just, yeah. it was yeah. just a play on TV. It this, wasn't exactly yeah. what it was. That, that scarf was the most expensive set yeah. piece. <laughs> I never noticed all the household appliances sprayed silver <laughs> <laughs> when I was eight. But you do now. They and learned then, everything from Plan 9. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it, was, it, it was amazing. It kind of is sad in a way that... We're just not that prepared to suspend our disbelief anymore. Do you know what I mean? You watch, right. you know, do you remember when the Iron Man trailer first broke and the CG wasn't quite up to scratch? Yes. Yeah. And people were like, this is terrible. <laughs> and yet it was still kind of photorealistic and expensive looking. Yeah. In those days, you could be killed with a whisk and you go, oh, my God, he's dead. <laughs> they, they, did, they, did preserve, they did preserve the whisk and the sink plunger on the Daleks yeah, to I this know, day. Yeah. It's like they're still there. Yeah, I love the fact they do that. So, um, so yeah, it was a, it was a hodgepodge mishmash. It was more, it was much, now it's been, you know, they've cottoned on to the fact that it sells now. And, uh, you look at all the, the, the big films of summer, they're all kind of nerd territory. Of really. course. Yeah. But, um, some to a more successful degree than others, I think. Exactly. Exactly. But, um, yeah, it was more, it, it was more of a hand to mouth kind of deal back in the day. Do you think the business is going to cannibalize? nerd culture the way it does when it feels like ah there's money here and then everyone starts making nerd films nerd nerd themed films but they're not nerds who are making them so a lot of them are going to be shitty and then they're going to go away yeah it has done absolutely has done i think i think that's that that's already it's already been hegemonized as i would have said at university yes uh, because it's um you know it, it did seem profitable i think generally people the populace have, an, have a, a kind of tendency to want to regress a little bit and be children because the world's a horrible place. And so these <laughs> things appeal to them. Star Wars is a great example of a, a, a mass infantile regression, post-Vietnam mass infantile regression. <laughs> that's what Star Wars was in many ways. And uh, that's just got more and more and more over the years. And, and, and people have cottoned on to that. So there are people out there who go, yeah, I'm a nerd. And they're not. Right. Yeah. You know, and there are people making films that are kind of nerdy and they're not. Well, so there, there's even like the the younger generation, the kids in high school right now are just getting out of high school. They're even like trying to regress even further, and they're already pretty young. So you see these kids dressing like with animal heads on and you know raccoon tails on yeah. their keychains, and you know dressing up like Pokemon characters. It's, it's weird that it's like, and they're reminiscing about stuff that they shouldn't be allowed to reminisce about yet. Right, right, right. They right. haven't they haven't gained <laughs> you know the uh, the thought process to be like, oh, that was a good time, you right? Know, three years ago when I was in fifth grade. Well, that's because nostalgia is catching up with the present. And when that, it's, it's like these two things are coming together and eventually there'll be a, a show on VH1 called I Love Six Months Ago. Yes. <laughs> and then when that, when that becomes like I Love Yesterday, that's when Armageddon. I think it was up. called yeah. Best Week Ever. Remember yeah. when yeah. that yeah. shirt you had on was the one you've got on now? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm living in the present. Remember this morning? Oh, man. <laughs> Fucking great. Talking heads sort of talking about what they have for breakfast that morning. It will be, <laughs> that, that will be the end of the world. Did I read that you actually didn't, did you do your, uh, did you do a thesis paper on the whole idea? of uh, uh, hegemony? Like I did, I did. I did a whole thesis on um, on Star Wars and related works. So all that, you know, that was around at the time, um, the sort of um, late 70s, early 80s popular cinema, all about how 
when you watch those films, any kind of innate or in, uh, sort of and anything that they might be saying, not purposefully, but anything that might be coming across, if you don't notice that, then you're agreeing with it. So if, they're, if a film's a little bit sexist and you don't go, hey, that's sexist, then you are a sexist. Interesting. So start, like, for instance, in, in Star Wars, in Raiders, in, Next, uh, in uh, Wrath of Khan, all those films, are, there's a lot of bomb fear in those films, mm-hmm. a lot of fear of big weapons like, you know, the Genesis Project and the Death Star and the Force and the, uh, the Ark. And that was on our minds at the time. Everyone was worried about nuclear war, that we were going to get bombed by the Russians, and everyone was terrified that they'd hear the siren any second. And those films are all about big weapons being okay in the hands of good people and wrong in the hands of bad people. Mm-hmm. So the Genesis Project is a force of life with the Federation, but it's bad. The Klingons get hold of it. The Death Star is bad. The Force is good. The Ark, if you don't look at it, that's the brilliant bit. Don't look at it and it'll be all right. That's basically saying, we'll, t- we'll do all the nuclear stuff and you just get on with your life. So you yeah. just have to just do this. <laughs> yeah. Put your hand Close over your, your eyes. eyes, kids, yeah. and you'll be fine. Really? That's yeah. how they don't die. That's how they don't melt. Yep. They just don't look at it. Yep. And that, that was like a, a sort of, you know, I don't think Steven Spielberg was 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 making a point, but all that stuff is bubbling in our subconscious. Yeah. Don't look at the gun. It can't shoot you if you don't look at his <laughs> yeah, gun. <I> <laughs> so that was fun to sort of like analyze all those movies like that. Were there, uh, what were the, besides Doctor Who, what were some of the other, what what, what were British uh, kind of, ner- I mean, Back then, I we didn't I didn't think of them as this is nerd culture. I just thought no. of it as these are things I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, of course, I you know I watched the uh, I watched the Bill Bixby Incredible Hulk, and I watched yeah. I, any kind of sci-fi. Huge Twilight Zone geek. The uh, Nicholas Hammond Spider Man. Do you remember that one? The uh, the Spider Man live action Spider Man. It was it, it was re- short lived. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. short lived. I remember. Is that the one where he discovers he has the powers because the he's about to get hit by a car and he jumps up and sticks to the wall? Or am I, did Maybe. I, did yeah, I dream yeah, yeah. that? I, uh, I bought a VHS of that at a Star Trek convention. I mean, 91. it looks, the costume looks, <laughs> the costume looks like pajamas. Can I just say that's probably the nerdiest thing that will be said today? <laughs> We're gonna have like, well, with welcome. him in the room, it's, it's going to get worse. <laughs> yeah, he already is, yeah. <laughs> 91, nerdy year too. <laughs> very nerdy. Vintage. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, he was very skinny and the special effects were kind of quite good for TV because he was up high walls and stuff, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. Um, there was stuff the the British output uh, Blake Seven, mm-hmm. um, Tripods, Day of the Triffids, um, serialization, uh, all similar production values to Doctor Who. Um, a lot of children's programming was pretty trippy and kind of you know they did Chucky the, the other Wyndham um, John Wyndham story. Um, all very, but all our production values were so inferior because there's just not as much telev- uh, money in television in the UK. Right. So even like something like The Incredible Hulk, the Bill Bixby one, still looked really flashy and expensive to us. Even though when I look back at it now, there's a, there's a clip when he's the Hulk is fighting a bear. And it's not only is it a man in a bear suit, but all the green paint is coming off onto its fur. <laughs> no, he's absorbing the He's whole absorbing power. the radiation. Yeah, right. He's absorbing yeah, the, gamma the gamma radiation. radiation. Keep telling yourself that. Oh, <laughs> bear hole. Yeah, bear, 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 bears also don't uh, like tilt from side to side no, while uh, wa- like waving in, their uh, arms. Hercules in New York, the Schwarzenegger one. Yes, when yes. He fights the bear in Central Park. <laughs> right, right, right. And then, he, then the Hulk throws it. They're fighting in the water, which was a stupid idea because, of course, the green paint was going to come off. <laughs> but it meant that you couldn't see his little ballet shoes that he wore. <laughs> and then he throws the bear, and it looks like someone has literally thrown a teddy bear. <laughs> and it kind of goes... 
<laughs> but I do remember, like, it's and also, did you guys get the Six Million Dollar Man? Oh yeah, I'm massively a big fan of that. I mean, that toy when I was a kid, where you could look through the back of his head and yeah, you could yeah. see through the eye. And, but like, the eye made it look further away. It was it, like. Wait a minute, I should be able to see molecules, not <laughs> not the distance. I like the idea that we accepted the fact that putting him into super slow motion meant he was going really fast. Like that Brilliant. was the, that was their way around Brilliant that logic. Yeah. And they, he had that the, the 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 action figure had a little arm that you, you he had it held an engine. Do you remember this? He had like a rubber skin over an arm. And oh, you, you peel, pull it off. You peeled it back like a weird sort of foreskin. Yes. And there were little bionic things in his <laughs> arm. And then you pushed a button on his back and he lifted up an engine. <laughs> it was such a strange... That fucking toy did like two things, but for yeah. some reason it... It, it, it did it, them really well. It, it, it kept me enraptured for I had months. A, this, I had this one, and I, I, I was so excited to have it, but it was called Maskatron. And he was... I don't know if he had ever appeared in the show, but he was... It, it was an action figure that came with Steve Austin that you you know it was like a, a part of the Steve Austin line. He was silver and all his arms and legs came off and he had an Oscar Goldman face, a Steve Austin face. Oh, they came off. Yeah, and he had a Maskatron face and they all came off and he was like a sort of master of disguise android. I remember that. And then when he took the mask off, it was just like a. Yes, he was in the show. I remember that. Yes, 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 because they also did a. But they did a because this is so funny. Like there was so much Sasquatch news at the time. They did a bionic Sasquatch. And he was friendly. And he had a funny <laughs> eye. And then, do you remember Barney, the $7 million man? No! Yeah, Barney. There was they a, upped it a million bucks? They did. Yeah, they yeah. spent an extra million we, on this one. We have one more million to make this guy. <laughs> he had like two bionic arms. <laughs> but ba Barney couldn't, he didn't, he couldn't uh, cope with it. He, the emotional strain of his new limbs, and they, they dialed him down to normal. <laughs> Even when I was a kid, I was like, that's convenient. That yeah. Is yeah, turn him down. Turn him down. Yeah, so, so he's just a normal guy that just can't get in water. Yeah, that's pretty exactly. much his, yeah. yeah. He'll break. Yeah. <laughs> They, they just put him down to two or three <laughs> yeah. on the yeah. knob. All right, you're fine. Yeah. Off you go. I'm still bionic, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah you, know. you could lift a really heavy box. <laughs> but really not, but, but you want to lift with your legs. So yeah, you want to yeah, make yeah. sure to lift you with your legs. You could work for a removal firm or, you know, press do some <laughs> packing and loading. But crime fighting, no. So, yeah. when, uh, so when did you start doing... You did stand-up as well. Yes, I did, yeah. When did you start doing stand-up? When I was a kid, kind of. I mean, I started playing with it... Uh, this sort of, you know, standing up in front of people and telling jokes. And when I got to university and I, I, I realized that being an actor would mean, you know, having to be at the mercy of a lot of chance and casting directors, I thought, well, I like stand up and maybe this is the way I can have a bit of autonomy in my career and, um, you know, have some say. I'm a control freak, basically. So <laughs> I, uh, I started doing stand up and that is what sort of took me to London and led me back into acting and stuff. Was there was there any kind of a stand-up scene where you were from in, in England? Or did no. you have to seek it out? Uh, yeah, I had to go to London. You have to put a sort of knapsack on your back. You have to put a, a handkerchief with, uh, wrapped up on a stick and walk to London. Uh, <laughs> so with, the, with, with a your... notebook on the inside yes. and a yeah. bottle of water. <laughs> yeah. uh, there are cl there a foldable are cl stool. And your little a brick wall that you can just <laughs> expand and put behind yeah, you. That's you exactly what I had to do. How much can that hold? Just hold on. There's more <laughs> audience members start getting out. Um, but then... Um, now there's a, in the in the bigger cities like Birmingham, Manchester, Bristol, there are comedy clubs. But I was from a little market town called Gloucester, and it wasn't really happening there. Um, the the most famous people from Gloucester, as it stands, are me and a serial killer called Fred West. <laughs> Fred West. He sounds handsome. <laughs> oh no. What's fascinating? It's just the whole idea is fascinating to me because I feel like we take for granted now because. 
with the internet, all information is available at all times to all people. And so everyone knows pretty much like, oh, you can, you know, in theory, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Yeah. But I feel like when we were growing up, there wasn't really that, there wasn't really a sense of that. Like, oh, I can just go do stand up because that's a thing that people can just go do. So what do you, what do you think it was about you that, that, that made you think, I mean, you have probably three channels of television. Yeah, there was at the time. Yeah. And pretty much radio and nothing else. So like, what made you think, you know, I think I can go tell jokes to people for a living. I don't know. I think it was either stupidity or uh, disillusionment. I kind of, when I was a kid, I never thought about being an actor until I was about 50, even though I was, you know, doing it like community theater and, and I, I loved it, but I never thought I would be entitled to actually get to do it for a, for a career. That's ridiculous. And it wasn't until I was 15 that this course came up at this drama college in Stratford-on-Avon where our dear Shakespeare was born and, um, and, and offered the chance to do a sort of like theater studies course, which I then went and did. And that led to going to Bristol University, which has a great drama course. And during that time, that's when I was in a much bigger metropolis then and stand up felt like something that you could do for a living. It was the early 90s. So it was off the back of that huge comedy revolution after the young ones and mm -hmm. the comic strip. And so it felt like culturally it was relevant and it was something it wasn't really that rarefied. It was like it was an option, but it, it took a little while. I did feel like Luke Skywalker when I was a kid. I was in a, a, a place where if there was a bright center to the universe, I was in the village. It was far as farthest from. <laughs> and, uh, and I look back on it now, you know, watching the the premiere of Star Wars in, in, in like May 77 on the TV on my little black and white, whatever it was, three channel TV and seeing Graham's Chinese and like thinking, no, I'll never be there. I'll never be there, governor. <laughs> With your chimney sweep and yeah. your fingerless yeah. gloves. I wish I could get there, but no, I won't. Oh, <laughs> get back in that chimney. When I stepped out of the of the, the, the Star Trek premiere there, I, I was like, I'm here! I told you I'd get here! <laughs> Everyone just thought I was mad. Still dressed like a chimney sweep? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still hung up on the young ones. I still... I still Oh, it was, like, it was like punk for, for comedy. It was, yeah. you know. I mean, one of the greatest things that MTV ever did was to air the young ones in the States yeah. in the 80s. Because we obviously, we didn't, we just didn't have access to, to that to that kind of thing. And it just, watching that show for a young American. Because, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of nerdy American kids were total comedy expats. Like, we, we absorbed so much of your comedy right. because it just spoke to us in a, in, in a different way. It was, yeah. it was academic and it was, but, but, but also, but filthy in a wonderful way and, you know, really influenced. Yeah, it was, it was massive. It was like the first time as a, a school of comedy emerged that was just for young people, you know. I mean, Python even was, was very, very smart and a little erudite, and it was for adult, you know, for young adults at least, but the young ones for, was for, like, for the kids. Yeah. And it was like punk. It was like yeah. spitting angry punk, but comedy. And uh, it, it was seismic for all of us, you know. Did you, uh, in, the, in the early 90s, which also brought us the uh, Happy Mondays, Thrills, pills, and belly aches. Just yeah. taking the chance. Uh, were you were you in the uh, the Chris Morris circle? Uh... I was. Yeah, yeah. I was like a young uh, a young member of that gang. I, I watched the Day Today, which was and one of my favorite shows. Yeah, yeah the, the incredible Kitty Stare. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fighting for the pleasure of adults. <laughs> uh, which was uh, that felt like the most amazing comedy show ever. You know, it was it was so brilliantly done, so serious. You know, they took they yeah. did it. News feast. <laughs> Those are the headlines. God, I wish they weren't. Um, and then when when we came to make Big Train, which is a kind of post Python sketch show, um, you know, all done very seriously, very much in 
the next thing after the, the day to day. Chris Morris directed the pilot of that. And um, I also participated in a brass eye pedophile special oh, that's, Fantastic. A great, that's a great episode <laughs> which were in which i played a guy called gerard choate who was a <laughs> who was a campaigner for the uh, organization millipede <laughs> a, a militant pedophile organization <laughs> which I, I, it, when, I remember when chris chris called me and said we come and have lunch with me i want to tell you about something and we had this little dinner. He said, I'm going to do something that's going to get us into real trouble. <laughs> Are you in? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, the bit, for those of you who haven't seen it, I, I, I storm the studio and then it cuts to uh, commercials and then it comes back, I'm in stocks. And then Chris is like, you know, you're, so you're campaigning for, for pedophile rights and all this kind of stuff. And uh, here's my son. He's six years old. Do you want to have sex with him? And I go, no. He says, why, why not? Are you telling me you don't want to have sex with my son? No, I don't. Why not? I don't fancy him. <laughs> and then he gets all annoyed because I don't fancy his son. <laughs> Which, of course, says a lot about the way that adults sexualize children. You know, that, that show was the, the right wing in the, in the uh, you know, our sort of Republicans um, went mental. There were stories in the press about prisoners trading it on VHS to get off on in prison oh, and stuff Jesus. like that. And yet it was it was it was satirizing the the, the very approach that they used to you know uh, showing that kind of stuff in the media. That's what got uh, Brass Eye cancelled, right? Uh, no, it already stopped. Chris, oh, okay. yeah, that was like a one-off last oh, right. V sign, as we say, <laughs> to the media. So then, what was it? Uh, I'm curious to like when did you start really kind of expressing all of the nerdy stuff that was in your brain? It was it was it like was it Red Dwarf that kind of, or what, what what was it that made you say you know what I think I mean maybe you didn't even make the conscious choice but just a lot of the movies that you started writing and making it just like all this great nerdy stuff is being expressed. Well, it was spaced, and it was because uh, I guess probably Kevin Smith uh, after Clerks because that that film you know there's that great bit in that when they talk about the 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 second death star and whether it was you know morally correct to destroy it because of all the, the workers <laughs> yeah. that have been bought in and I, I i i remember watching that and thinking hey he's just talking about that in a film you can talk about that stuff in a film and um and jess jessica hines then stevenson and me were uh, had been working with edgar wright on a show called asylum which is a bizarre little yeah. thing on the paramount comedy channel um, I'd brought Jess in because I'd worked with her on something. Edgar came in and we were so impressed with his direction, you know, because he was clearly a gifted, yeah. very gifted director then. And um, they approached us and said, do you want to do, do a sitcom? Can we make a vehicle for you? And we, Jess and me said, yeah, but we want to write it. And at the time, there was all these, all these shows like, I mean, I, I, you know, I like Friends. I'll watch it. It's like a screensaver for the mind sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> if there's nothing else on and Friends yeah. is on, you're right, I'll watch this. Yeah, Friends, it's on. It's on. And, uh, it'll but, distract you. Yeah. There it is. It'll keep me awake for another 20 this minutes. This are flashing colors. This are <laughs> yeah. flashing colors. Exactly. But there were other shows like Coupling, which is a British show. Oh, yes, yeah, Stephen Moffat. Game on. Yeah, but all respect to Stephen, who's a fantastic guy, but Coupling said nothing to me about my life. It was just all these kind of good-looking smarmy 20-somethings in a wine bar I've never been to talking about things that didn't interest me. And they tried to make that show so many times in America. I know, but it was Friends. It was, we were ripping off Friends. That's what coupling was. It was like, you know, the, the snake eating its own self. Um, so we realized that we, we wanted to make a sitcom that, that talked about the things that we were into, and we wanted to talk to a very specific group of people. So that's why we made Spaced, which is full of all you know that was us just being us and talking about the stuff we're into video games and and science fiction and star wars betrayal and all that stuff you know and you really it, and up to that point people 
I don't know. It's I guess it was just the coming of age of our generation that just needed to kind of get all that to get all that stuff out. Yeah, but it was amazing because we didn't know if anyone was going to like it. We we made a show that we wanted to watch, and we and it was it, the people started to you know were furiously uh, um, devoted to it. You know, it was lovely how because a lot of people felt like we were speaking to them personally, which we kind of were. So this website sprang up, spaced out, and 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 we we had these loyal fans, and and it just grew and grew and grew, and then the next thing you know. You know, we're sat doing a commentary on it with Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, grab another disc, will you? Yeah. Pshh, that one. That one took a crap. But we're we're recording on two discs, so everything's everything's okay. Thank Special God. two disc set. Um, uh, and now, what's exciting about these types of shows is not only are they kind of nerdy themed, but as an American, it gives us the chance to seek out. Like almost go on a quest to find like we've found, we've brought this chalice back from a faraway land, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so it kind of it's it speaks to us even more because it, like we have to do a little bit of work to yeah. to get to it. Well, yeah. it's similar for us. I mean, you know, with American comedy, that's like shows like Mr. Show or whatever that that wasn't didn't air on British TV that you had to kind of you know seek out find some it, of the more yeah. you know the Adult Swim stuff stuff that's not necessarily on. It's always fun when you find that stuff. I love the fact when I, I just worked with Bill Hader on on Paul, and we have the same experience of like finding stuff. Like he said, he was watching like Garth Marenghi, yes, Garth Marenghi's yeah. Dark Place in his trailer when he was making Hot Hot uh, Rod or something. Oh, that's funny. I was watching it in my single apartment, but uh, <laughs> we all have our own experiences with different things. It was like to, a full track. I had <laughs> to I had to rip it off a disc that someone sent to me. They made a copy. Listen. Yeah. Guys, scientists, stop trying to create a unified field theory. We need to fucking unify the media regions. Yeah. Can't we just uh, wa- can't we just have the same region coding? What is the so fucking annoying. problem? Because I, I, I was a, I became kind of popular amongst my friends because I like you know went out to a place and bought an all region player that you had to put the code in to yeah, watch. Yeah, yeah. And then I also like on, off of Amazon was buying like Garth Marenghi and uh, Look Around You. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, uh, Brass Eye, like all these you know British things and like uh, so we always say, hey, come over and bring your stuff. It's just I would bring it up or hook it up to put the code on <laughs> i was the guy that brought my friends british comedy that's what we had to do though because uh, initially with dvd or the american dvd releases were so much better they were there was more extras they were it's kind of more in alignment now but everyone had region anyone who was like a film buff had region free players in the uk so we could watch american dvds it was kind of like it is like a fight against and now on the internet you know i can't see anything on Isn't american that crazy television. there's yeah, that's ridiculous you got you guys have a great show that i've only ever seen a snippet of called the gadget show yeah it's very simple very yeah. simple the gadget show and when you try to pull clips from it it's like oh you're not authorized to re- in this region i'm like and I get so mad at the internet. Like, internet? What are yeah. you doing? I know. It's like, what's wrong with this that? This is why yeah. I have to download Bargain Hunt. How many fucking... <laughs> how, many, how many sneezing sorry, cat videos? Sorry, that is the most nerdy thing that we said. <laughs> yes. Oh, he loves Bargain Hunt. Loves Bargain yeah. Hunt. Down. I just need to, you know, I, I just need to fucking start torrenting everything. That's what I do. You it's know what? Like, I I'm a very I'm you know the whole with with the movies and stuff. It's 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 abhorrent and it's it's killing the industry and we all know that. But when it comes to television, if if, if it's only some advertising exec that's losing out because I'm not watching the commercial breaks in the show that I want to watch, then right. I'm less opposed to you know when Lost was on and we it was on. Uh, 
I was a big fan of the show and it was on a lot later. I, my sister knew how to get it to me quicker yeah. than the television did. And I was quite happy to do that. I've been downloading Top Gear since 2002. Like since the other yeah, guy yeah, was yeah, there, yeah. not James May. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I just, I just sort of feel like per episode. I, I, I will always just in a, as a manner of, of, of honor, I will try to get things in the conventional way. Yeah, absolutely. And if they're not available, it's like, well, what choice do I have? Listen, You're I making me steal it. Gladly yeah. split, a, split a TV licensing fee with someone in the UK so I can <laughs> yeah. Get right, right, right. Sling, sling box it over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now, now that we're doing, we're, this, this, this podcast is becoming a show on BBC America. Oh, excellent! So we will actually, I, we will, I guarantee you, Matt Meyer, we'll be able to get you episodes of Bargain Hunt. All right, if you can get me on. I prefer the blue team. All right. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never seen Bargain Hunt. See, BBC America is very interesting because that's the way. You know, that's obviously responding to the demand for cross pollination. Do you know what I mean? That is, right. I, I love the fact that I was I was in Austin yesterday and I switched on the TV and Doctor Who was on and it was a new Doctor. Yes, Who. there was billboards in the city for yeah, the new yeah. season, and it it's weird. like oh good, but it's still. I, I having just as I said, having just worked with like Bill Hader, Kristen Wiig, I wanted to see them on SNL, you know, in the UK because I, we don't have a live comedy show. I know that that show can be patchy, but it's like it's incredible that there is a live comedy show on Saturday nights on on network television. Ninety minutes and too, ninety yeah. minutes long, and and I love uh, the guys that are on it, and and but I cannot see it in the UK because it's not shown there. And NBC won't let me watch it on my computer. And uh, what, what have I done? <laughs> what have I done? The internet... NBC, why are you mad at Simon Pegg? Come on, you're supposed to watch a comedy show. Yeah. You relate it to Universal. I've made some films for you. I should have a special password or something. Well, we're going to have to check that with our superiors. <laughs> really? You can't just... But I did Shaun of the Dead. Those <laughs> are my friends I want to watch. Which, I mean, of course, of course, we. I, w- I would love to talk about Shaun of the Dead for a couple minutes because, I mean, you know, again... When that movie came out, that was another one of those moments. And I fear I will only have so uh, only a few of these moments left in my life where I get to watch something and go, oh, my God, you can do it that way. Because we see so much and we get so jaded so easily that and I feel like that, that's a that's a very that's a that's a limited resource that you have. Right. But, you, but you did that with that movie. And even just like like just subtle things like the slip in the convenience store yeah. like that. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even I don't even have words to express to you what that did for me as a horror fan and as a as a comedy fan, that movie. Yeah. And it's still by the end of it, it's like and it's very sincere at the same time. I have a little regret about that moment because uh, when we shot it, when I come back into the house and I put my feet up on the table and I'm watching TV, yeah. there should have been a little something on the bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I always think <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Are you control? Are you super control freaky that way, where you watch back and you go, God damn it, we didn't have that that day. Well, we we, weirdly enough, me and Edgar, uh, we did a, uh, a a double. No, we did a like a triple bill screening of uh, Sean Hot Fuzz and uh, that other film he did. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the the amazing Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and we did it at the New Beverly, and. Um, we sat together and watched our films, you know, or two of them, um, for the first time in a long time. And it was interesting watching it together and sort of saying, oh, I might have done that differently. And uh, like Hot Fuzz, we would have cut by about 10 minutes, I think. <laughs> we were like, uh, don't say that. Uh, no, we just little, little nips and yeah, tucks, yeah, you know. yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it, you, you can't ever... I, I can understand why George Lucas uh, went back and fiddled with the stuff, but you shouldn't do it. Right. Yeah, you shouldn't do it. <laughs> Especially because, you know, it's... It's he's going back to 1977 George Lucas's mind, yeah, and saying like, "Oh, I, this is the stuff that I wanted to," and then kind of not realizing like, "Yeah, but it's you know like if if 
if Da Vinci were alive today, he shouldn't go back and go, I should have put a mole on her cheek. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. like, no, yeah, no, yeah. fucking leave it. Leave it. But it's also it's also the thing of like, you know, there's there's shot there's footage of him talking when he was that age, saying, you know, special effects are a tool to help a story and they're not the story itself. And then he goes back and and fucks things up like that. It's like I, when I was seven years old with my mouth hanging open thinking my life has changed, I didn't think this scene would be amazing if there was a jower in the background falling off a dinosaur. <laughs> right, right. That would really improve this film. Weird, I thought that. It's funny, though, because you think about, like, say, like a punk band, like, and they record an album and it's great. Everyone loves it. Then they get a lot of money to, like, do a better album, like better production, better instruments, and it's just not that good. Yeah, yeah. And it's like it was good because of what they had and they what would they work with. That word is you know. overproduced. We overproduced. had an interesting uh, thing with uh, uh, it, it, Super 8 and Paul both use the, uh, the same piece of music. There's a strange synchronicity between the two films. And uh, I was talking, I saw Super 8 the other night and I really enjoyed it. And I, I, because I've worked for JJ, I was able to email him and go, that was really good. <laughs> uh, and uh, apparently he really had to fight to get the original version of um, uh, Don't Bring Me Down. And because Paul was lower budget, we couldn't afford it. So we've got the overproduced one, and JJ's got the original one, which is, uh, you know, you decide which is best. I really think... I really think not having a huge budget is a service to the people that are making a film because it forces you to be more creative. It yeah. absolutely does. And it also means there's less uh, there's there's less fiddling from uh, the powers that be who are who want to ensure they get their money back. Right. Who are, you know, um, friends and, and helpers. But sometimes when filming gets when a film is made by committee, it just, you know, it loses its edge a little bit. Yeah. It's singular so, voice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and with, with a film like Sean, you know, we were, it was very low budget. We were left completely left alone. I didn't, we didn't know it was going to come out in the U S we, we, we made one tiny concession in the writing process that in case it ever got seen in America, in case like guys like you got a VHS of it, which was, um, when we find Mary, bloody Mary in the garden and, and she, we think she's drunk. Initially in the script, I say, oh, man, she's pissed. <laughs> and, and of course, you guys would see that as being she's annoying. Yeah, right. The joke wouldn't work. So we changed it to drunk. And that was the only concession we made for America. And yet it's been so sort of taken to people's hearts here without us making any compromises whatsoever. You know, it just proves that people are smart and, and the cinema going audience is, is, is an intelligent bunch if challenged. Yeah, I know. And, they, they, I, you know, like studios are still convinced that people are idiots. <laughs> like, I know, I know. It's kind of worrying. <laughs> like, really? You know? Because we have a bunch of examples of that not being the case. Yeah. And they blind you with like, well, in this quadrant, the demographic are tested higher than ever before. And you're like, what are you talking about? Take it down, <laughs> college boy. I remember uh, uh, being uh, upset when I first heard about Shaun the Dead because me and um, uh, BJ Porter, a writer for uh, uh, Mr. Show, yeah. like we started piecing together a zombie comedy. Oh, really? Yeah, just like we started beating it out. We'd meet up and like, have like more scenes started to put together and then like um another comedy writer out here ken daly uh was like it's like hey there's a movie coming out in england called sean the dead i was like oh fuck that's a perfect name <laughs> but but you know he's all he's like, i don't really know much about it i was like i was like you know it's okay it's like if it, it might still be getting made we can still work this through and we started <laughs> kept on going and then he came back he's like i have a copy of it it's it's really fucking good. <laughs> I was like, well, let's let's watch it. So like, it, it was months and months before it came out in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. We got a copy of it, and I just like the whole time, like just like so delighted and pissed off at the same time. 
This is like a fuck you. Oh, fuck you. Uh, but it was uh, yeah, it was it was it was perfect. As I'm a huge uh, zombie fan and like uh, and a huge nerd of comedy, but like it was like yeah. perfect perfect combination. Yeah. And uh, it reminded me of when I first saw Return of the Living Dead as right, a kid. Right. Yeah, yeah. Where I I was young enough to where I didn't know it was supposed to be a comedy. Right, right. And uh, like and I was just I was like this is a crazy awesome uh, you know, zombie movie. And then I got older I realized it was you like get you know, humor, Yeah. yeah. But but Amer- but an, an American studio never would have made Shaun of the Dead that way because they would have been like you can't you keep those sincere moments out of it. It's either a fucking comedy or it's a zombie movie. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, weirdly enough, I I I just did a film with John Landis that, that I think IFC are going to release over here, sort of limited, uh, called Burke and Hare, and it's about these two a real uh, true story of these two guys in Edinburgh in 1828 who. Who realized they could make lots of money by killing people and selling the bodies to the medical profession oh, who, wow. who were doing, you know, That's anatomy. Awesome. And um and it's 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 great. I was working with one of my heroes and it's a it's a it's a really nice little movie. When I uh, saw Hot Fuzz, John Landis three three rows behind oh, me. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well he's like, you know, I mean American American Wealth was my first yeah. horror film that I sat through and thought, I, I, I can I can watch horror and not be mentally disturbed. <laughs> um, but he was saying when he did Animal House they, he showed uh, a, a cut of it to the, uh, you know, the really old school Hollywood guys, the cigar chompers in a screening room at the studio. And the bit when Otter gets beaten up and he's quite wounded, this, this, this exec started going, what the fuck is this? This ain't funny. What the <laughs> fuck? I'm like, really annoyed that there could be some kind of nuance in comedy, you know. Yeah. Did you ever hear a rumor that John Landis was the one that shot that Sasquatch footage? Just bringing it back to Sasquatch? We could ask him right now if you like. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Wait, wait, wait. I totally forgot. You're like the super internet. Like, the, oh, you uh, really have access. The Peterson footage? Yeah. Wow. He admit, there was some interview where he admitted it once and then didn't, and then never admit, and then denied it. Fuck. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that <was good> he <laughs> also he also shot the uh, the a picture of Nessie. Yes, <laughs> he definitely did that. Yeah, yeah. Did. Have you ever been to Loch Ness? No, never. It's weird, you know, because I have been there. Yes, have you? It's like I know there's not a monster swimming around in that lake, but God, that feels like there is. It's really, really it's, it's just creepy. Yeah, it's yeah. really creepy. It's fantastic. I, I did it. I took a tour of Scotland just by car, just driving. On the wrong side of the car, on the wrong side yeah. of the road, yeah. and uh, and we we stay there. You know, we got through all the locks, and they are. I mean, I, you know, I guess you're like, well, we have lakes here. What's the big fucking difference? But there's just something about just the <laughs> the gorgeous still water yeah, and the yeah, and, yeah. The, and Scotland. It's so haunting. The potential of it all, and the mountains and the mist, and it's like it's a classic place for a monster to live. Do I yeah, hear a uh, Simon Pegg uh, Loch Ness monster movie? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, listen, after the water horse, uh, you just couldn't do it. <laughs> you just couldn't do it again. Couldn't do it. They couldn't really. Do it. Yeah, we'll call it, it's like a horse and water. We'll call it uh, water horse <laughs> two. <laughs> what about the one with Ted Danson? And uh, there's another one called, it's called Loch Ness. And it's with a little girl and Ted Danson. And really? It, it, it You're contain, thinking of cheers. No, no, it's absolutely <laughs> true. And it contains the line. No, Mr. Dempsey, you've got to believe it before you can see it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> this, the, yeah. the, the writer's perfect antibiotic for any script problems. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. just have to believe. Yeah. Really? You sure that's all? That's so lazy. Don't you think there has to be a creature there? <laughs> yeah. uh, Anywho. So uh, also, uh, Paul, fantastic. Another like hilarious movie with with wonderful moments that is also sincere, but at the same time... That was so many great comedy moments. That was it. That was a very interesting experience talking about, uh, you know, working with the studio because that was a more expensive film, and we couldn't. We knew going in that we couldn't make Shaun of the Dead with a with an effect that cost twenty million. You know, I mean, making Paul himself the actual alien, which is a beautiful piece of work from Double Negative in the UK, who are an uh, FX company, was like hiring Will Smith. 
It was like having Will Smith, you know, it was that expensive to make him. And so Nick and I had to sit down and kind of go, okay, let's, we got to open this up. We got to make this a little bit more inclusive and, you know, make those, when we, when we do reference other movies, maybe bring in some more people, not just our mates, you know. And that, and that was, that was a, a challenge for us because we like, we, we, we like being very niche and we like make things being very small, but it had to be bigger. Yeah, but it was like hiring Will Smith, but his face was more expressive. Yeah. <laughs> you, so whoosh. Um, Scrap. Do you, feel, do you feel the pressure, though? Because I feel like what happens is a lot of people, um, they, they'll achieve a certain level of success because they're able to just sort of fly under the radar and make whatever they want. And then all of a sudden, spotlight's on you. Yeah, Someone's yeah, yeah. giving you $100 million. Yeah. Do you, you know, do, do you even think about this stuff at night or are you able to compartmentalize and just go, I'm just going to still just still do the same stuff I did before? Well, the thing is, you can't. That's the thing. When it's, I mean, Paul was about 40, I guess, to make and uh, yeah, which is still much more than we've ever used before. And, and you know, you, you unless you're the Coen brothers or someone who is just absolutely trusted to go off and do their, their thing. You know, you, you have to collaborate and you have to you have to give and take to get something made. I'm very, very happy. I love Paula. It's, it's a, a film that I have an enormous affection for because it was an, it was an absolute hoot to make. And uh, uh, there's a man I know. Hey, uh, come on in. Joe McGill's just turned up. It's Joe McGill hey! stopped by. A surprise celebrity oh, visit. See Look at these two hugging it out. I love you on Doctor Who. Oh, I think you're grand community. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, welcome. Can I have a box set of season two, please? Yes, you may. Joel, Thank sit you. at that microphone for we a quick second. We were just the commentary yesterday. I would say. I, yeah, I saw uh, on Twitter here, there was John, some, there was some talking one. about it. Yeah, love easily. it. Love it. it uh, there was some, <laughs> a lot of... Uh, <laughs> There was uh, shots of tequila not taken by me. Good for I you. Just had beer. Stay away from that shit. Joel McHale has just joined the hey. fold. Hello. I was just talking wow, about myself. And um, no. So, <laughs> Simon, you've you've been on the soup, right? You, I have. Yeah. Spin off of web soup. Twice. Couple of times. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the soup is spun <laughs> off. Of, this is the loudest thing that's ever been in my ear. Do you have a you have a volume uh, control? We did a funny skit where I screamed at Joel and was uh, appeared to be a nasty person, didn't we? Yeah. And me and, and Jess were on for space as well, and I yeah. had that amazing time with Keith Olbermann. We were yelling about some show. It was uh, you guys agreed to be on the show, and Keith Oberman was already booked on the show. And they're like, "What do we do?" We're like, "Combine them. <laughs> It'll be like peanut butter Combine and chocolate." <laughs> it was, uh, and I still count it as one of the finest moments we've ever had on the show. It was a, it was a, it was a hoot. It was a thousand times better. Did you guys know each other before the soup? Of your appearances? Uh, no. no, we hadn't uh, met, had we, before the soup days? No, but I had followed you since. And you, and I, you. Uh -huh. I was in when I was making. Um, I just did uh, a film in Vancouver, and I was, you know, I was away from home, and so I was relying on DVD um, to keep me company. The season one box set of Community became like my best friend. Yes. I kind of watched it like six times. <laughs> yeah. really, like sad, had all the extras and everything, and like all the commentaries. And then, uh, then Dan Harmon found out that you. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And there was an ejaculation. And <laughs> just, just a, just trickle. It was like a pre. It, it was, was like a, a little bit of a pre. It was, yeah. a, it was, it was a seat. Full, a full, full. No, no, it was, it, it was, was ejaculate gosh. and semen. It was both. <laughs> oh my god! It was all there. Full pregnancy. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was. Uh, it was thick. Oh, glad to be of help. I was just. I was just asking Simon. And I think this is a great question for you. Not not to all of a sudden turn this into a crazy interview thing, but just the idea of. How we get so used to flying under the radar. I mean, like the first, I, I'm sure you felt like in the first few seasons of The Soup, like, ah, I can do whatever I want. Yeah, Who the gives first a shit? Six years. And then, <laughs> all, and then all of a sudden, it's like, everyone's watching you now. Everything well, you do kind of, the you know. The cool people were watching. <laughs> oh, very but well. But there's so played. much more of them than there used to be. That's there the really are, Joe McHale. Well, we, our ratings are down. 
<laughs> All right. Oh, so I think people got tired of it after a while. <laughs> no, yes. When pe- and, and the fact that it, there was a, uh, a British version of the soup yeah. that uh, failed miserably. Oh, did it? Uh, they had us on, and it was doing so well that they were like, let's do a British version. And then that failed so horribly, and then they put us back on, and we never recovered. That's because we, <laughs> we hate ourselves. That's is the absolute truth. We have this kind of thing. America is so glamorous and foreign and exotic and, and cool. And then if we see our own backyard, it's like, I don't want to see that. It's horrible. Just some person that I might see in London. Boring. And see, we have the other thing. We're like, oh, everything that comes out of England, they all sound they all sound much better. They're all more educated. Their movies are better. They sound better. It's everyone strange, everyone sounds like you, you could whatever the whatever the equivalent of a British redneck is would still sound smarter than our smartest a person. Chav. Oh, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. <laughs> we have a show called uh, Jeremy Kyle. And it's one of those I am my sister's brother's dad. Kind okay, of thing. okay. Yeah, no, we 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 got him. We got him. <laughs> we have. There was a while when infomercials were even well when they first started. They were kind of like fascinating as to how <laughs> horrifying they were. Yeah. And they always would put a British. Yeah, I know. I know that. Joel, I know. Sometimes you're at home and you're like, "How do I clean off this window?" That's what I'm always thinking. With just a rag. It's impossible. Well, now it's super rag. Thank you, smart person. You're welcome. The amount of times I've been like in LA with jet lag and not been able to sleep and switched on TV and seen this weird guy, this weird British guy, demonstrating some paint system or a thing that chops up onions quick. Yeah. And everyone being amazed. It's very frank weird. Look, I'm going to do this really quickly. I'm going to get this over here. Make chips, chops. I don't know what he's saying, but it's smart, whatever it is. I'll buy it. Nine of them. Take my money, charming British academic. And I think right now Uh, there's a commercial, or it was running about uh, turning uh, something into gold. Cash, cash, turning gold gold into cash. And it was a uh, a British woman. It wasn't thread, was it? No, I don't. Thread into goes Rumpelstiltskin. He's still around. <laughs> and you lose your child. Uh, uh, this time. is R. Stillskin. Uh, <laughs> Hello, R. Stillskin. <laughs> but there's a, a British. Uh, there's a British uh, a woman. She's like, your cash can become gold right now. It's oh. And uh, I'm just like, I don't care what. And at that I, point, your pants are down, and you're just massaging your genitals up against the screen yeah, because the voice. Like, I still, I still maintain that if I could fuck a name, it would be Pippa Middleton. That is the most fuckable <laughs> name I've ever heard in my life. She's the uh, wow. She's the uh, wow. Why don't I know this name? Pippa she's Middleton, the, Kate Middleton's Kate sister. sister. Is that her sister? Oh, she's dating. I don't care. A guy. Uh, see, I'm not. Well, they just broke up. If you're following the news, so she's on the market now. You know, but her real name is Philippa. Mm. Isn't it? Now oh. there was a joke I heard that was someone told me this recently that I I can say on here was what is what it, hang on it's one of those what is the difference but it's not it's why have uh, Harry Potter books and what of Harry this is it okay <laughs> rewind rewind what have the Harry Potter books and Pippa Middleton's bottom got in common <laughs> what. Oh, no, hang on. Uh, J- both. I, I suppose to have said J.K. Rowling's famous because they both had Harry in them. And it, look, it, it was... <laughs> Still I works. I didn't oh. think it through. Still works. I say overused. Still. And you think British comedy is sophisticated? Really? <laughs> well, I did until I went... I mean, I've, 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 I've told the story a million times on the podcast, but I, I, I... Well, like, the only examples of British comedy I had seen were, like, the top... British comedies. Yeah. We all have our shit. Don't and we? Then, so I went yeah. over there. I was like, "What? What is this?" <laughs> oh. That's why I'm always amazed when, like, uh, 
I speak, I've spoken to some Americans who will immediately talk about Benny Hill and are you being served like it was the absolute summit of our comedic <laughs> output. It's like, oh, don't misrepresent me like that. It's terrible. I remember hearing that because Monty Python was so big here. And then I remember uh, someone said, oh, well, Benny Hill just blew it away in the ratings every single week. It never was as big as Benny Hill. Or oh, yeah, yeah. I could, that is... Because it was massively mainstream. It was, it, was, yeah. it was women in bikinis being chased by small, bald men. I mean, what, <laughs> Stop what? it. And a lot. <laughs> but you think about the legacy of ben, I, I think I mean, at least in America I mean you hear like when Benny Hill died people were like oh okay yeah. he died very poor and very sad it was awful did he really yeah, it's one of those what happened stories. he just well people eventually people did lose interest in it the show got tired he couldn't get hired he couldn't get arrested and he dies in poverty And uh, I mean I assume that's one of those shows wow. that's sort of like ah my parents watch that show like exactly. your parents watch that show eating TV dinners well when the young ones came out oh, you know yes. like, which we were talking about earlier on that's when a lot of the old guard, the old comics became very bitter and angry because they were they were being made obsolete by these young punks. You know, a lot, I mean, lot of hate. I, I, I have I yeah. have a, I have a poster of Nigel Planer. Like one of my favorite fucking jokes in all of television is uh, is is Neil telling. Uh, I think he's telling Rick n that he can't commit suicide by crucifying himself. Yeah. He's like, I've tried it hundreds of times, man. There's no way to hammer in the last nail. That's the fucking best. It was one of the fucking it best. It was the most amazing television. show. That, what happened? Why? It was on two seasons? It's the curse of the two it's, seasons. It's the British comedy that, curse. Now that's interesting. So, you know, I. Because yeah. I, I always wonder. As British actors, do you ever, you must never feel any security because British television is like, yeah, we'll do six episodes and then fuck off. Like, do you, do you ever feel like on Friends, they would want that show to run 15 seasons if I they know, could. I know, I know, But it seems like there's a different bit of It's psyche. just a different dynamic. There's a weird thing where, I mean, when we made Spaced, it was like, we, the guy said, do you want to, we said, we'll do seven episodes. No, we said, we'll do six. And the guy said, how about seven? And we went, all right. Like, it was a weird number. <laughs> And then when we got to the end of the second season, we, the, the only reason we didn't do more is because we couldn't be bothered. And because uh, <laughs> it was so difficult. Oh, that sounds awful. It's, the truth is, it was such a hard show to make because the, 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 the conditions were, were tough. Edgar, it was like making a movie in eight weeks, like mm -hmm. a big movie in eight weeks, a yeah. three hour movie. And then after the second season, we had this idea to make this little zombie film with something to do different, you know, because it would be a, make a change. And then everything changed. And we didn't want to go back to working in TV that was hell. As much as we love that show, and I miss everybody in it, and I would love to have done a third season at least, it just wasn't worth it, you know? And, and that zombie movie was a little thing called Zombieland. <laughs> <laughs> a little movie you might have heard of. Called... I don't want to toot my own horn. And, and isn't it also because it's BBC, there's something about it, because it's state-run, there's no reason to go further? I can't... I've... It's a, it's just a different it, thing. There's a different writing style. There's a different... Yeah, there's no. different legislation about episodes. Now, which... even, even Doctor Who, it's like... I want more money. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're about to regenerate. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> See ya. For the American TV, they're like, this thing's working. Order 36 of them for this season. And put it on five It'll nights be a week. Seven years. I know, I know. But it's weird. But I find it's really weird that, you know, great television, good television, you'll, you it disappears. Like shows get canceled that are amazing but just because it's so cutthroat here. Yeah. Everyone got so pissed off at the end of, the, of Lost because of the ending because they expected all of the questions that were thrown yeah. up to be answered. Those guys were just throwing things in the air to keep people watching. They didn't intend to answer any of that stuff. They didn't know they were going to be on next week, let alone next yeah. fucking year. Yeah, That's why, well, with British shows, which is always sometimes uh, brilliant, because they're like, we have 12 ch chances to do this, and it will be, then it will be finished. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so then it's complete. Yeah, and then you're done. And Shows very rarely get cancelled mid-season in the UK. Might, there might just be one season of six episodes, 
but they rarely get taken off mid-season. I mean, that's so demoralizing. Like, you know, particularly when it's great, good shows, you know, like, like uh, say, Battlestar Galactica, so, which was great television, yes. and was constantly fighting to stay alive. It's, it's weird. Do you, and, but you probably, I assume you probably kind of like working on a thing for a little bit, moving on, starting something new, starting yeah. something new. You wouldn't want to linger on something. for like. I'm sure there must have been a... Shaun of the Dead too. What do you, what do you guys think? And you and you must. I mean, what? from dust till Sean. <laughs> it came up. It came up. Now, no, if you could have gotten happen. Clooney to do it. <laughs> it would have been in. We'd, I. Yeah. You know what? I always say what what. But you'd also have to use Julia Lewis. So. Uh, so you get you get that too. So. It's ah. the package. It swings and roundabouts. I um. I think it would be silly to do it because uh, we had an idea of doing it again, maybe the same story, the same characters, but different monster, because it would be pointless to do a sequel because right. one of the main characters, who is probably the most loved character in the film, is dead. Yep. So what would be the point of doing a sequel? It doesn't have to have a sequel. That is don't. a true nerd who yeah. knows, like, no, we don't want to, you know, there's not going to be, like, Shaun of the Dead 4, The Naked Mile with Eugene yeah. Levy, and you guys aren't even yeah. in it, and they've just they've cast Shaun of the Dead. Did someone from generation. Paramount just slowly close a briefcase full of money and go like, really? Really? Hey, Sean, Stifler's brother. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're the weird mashups. Well, that's like you know with the whole the whole space remake thing. It was like um, the, 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 we, they didn't tell us about it. They, they, I mean, this is old news, but the idea when we were talking to them, going, "What are you doing with our child? Why are you taking this away?" The the whole thing was you should be pleased. What do you what do you why are you upset? Like could genuinely you couldn't understand why we were so affronted by the idea. But I like how they kind of treated you like children. Yeah. They're like, what? What? What this you should be happy. You right know, now. it's going to America. The episode of The Simpsons where Monty Burns builds this environmentally friendly plant and Lisa's all exa- excited, but then it turns out he's just turning all the fish into slurry. He's like, you can't help but be evil. Like that, that's the network. Like, well, I don't see what the problem is. I know, I know. And is it true? Because uh, Richard I-U-R-D. Yes. I can who never... directed an episode, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, he directed the My um, Dinner with Andre episode of yes. Community Thursday nights on NBC. Um, <laughs> eight o'clock. Uh, he was talking. He and Seven he, Central. He is, as you know, the most uh, debilitatingly humble person that's yes. ever existed. Yes. Well, he's like, and there's no way to make money yeah. in television. And in fact, I've lost money. Oh God! Well, the, you know the the Marenghi guys. Jeez, it's a tra- it's a tragedy story that that we were talking about Garth Marenghi earlier on. The Avalon, the company that that owned the the rights to that show, don't let Matt Holness use it anymore. How? So this character that's his isn't—he's he, just kind of like—he's kind of just stopped doing stuff because he feels so disillusioned with the business because they've, oh, they've basically just—you can't do that anymore. I was like, stop. One it. season of one of the greatest TV show com- comedies yeah. ever, I think. And he can't even—he can't be that—he can't go do that character anywhere else. Exactly. So it's like but, Paul McCartney having to pay Michael Jackson to play his own music. Still st- sick. Still, still. Death, he still has to pay. Um, as a, as growing up as a, well, first of all, I, you know, we, I, I'm so sorry. We haven't really talked about the book nerd do well. Oh yes. I have a book, <laughs> which, but, uh, which is exciting. I mean, like you and I mean, I, I said this to Damon Lindelof was on a couple of weeks ago and I was like, you write Star Trek now, like just as a, as a nerdy kid to know that you're part of that universe is, does it, how does it not melt your half your brain? It does a bit. I went. I took uh, Damon out to see um, Attack the Block in the UK recently, which is a great movie. Great movie. Did you uh, see it? Uh, I haven't seen it yet. It's, it's the great. It's, Isn't it good? And then you, the budget is so. You, when I heard the budget, I, my mouth dropped. Yeah, I, it's 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 a it's a great. It's some gonna, of the most gonna be original a, creatures that I've seen yeah, ever. Yeah, 
and I and as a fan of the you know that genre, I thought he'd like it, and I thought I could also maybe tease a bit of info out of him about Star Trek, the next Star Trek film. Mm -hmm. So it was like going on a date and trying to get to first base with a girl, because <laughs> I didn't want to be too obvious about yeah. it. He would probably let you touch his dick before he yeah. would tell you about Star Trek. Too. I I did how do did that. He still didn't in? tell me. You, I mean, how did you? I was kind of like I was like, oh, so what's how's it going with the old. Uh, Star Trek. Uh, you know, <laughs> trying to be really sort of uh, kind of uh, uh, laid back about it. Simon, the movie's on. Come on, yeah. we're trying to watch the movie. So what, what am I, I going to be in it more? <laughs> Your um, face comes through the popcorn box. <laughs> a lot of time. Damn. Damn. <laughs> oh, this reminds me of that one thing in the new Star Trek. <laughs> right? Right? It's so similar. I'm sure JJ gets them all to go on some sort of secrecy boot camp where they just learn how to not say anything. Oh, they have to program them. Yeah, like, like, like Cold War era brainwashing. Absolutely. It's just lens flares. We get and nothing. You're, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's all completed, right? The new Star Trek? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Done. So... Uh, what's it about? Uh, Scotty has a lot of sex. Really? With, uh, with green women. There's yeah. really no other oh. characters, really. They were like, let's just focus on one character at a time. It'll be like well, like Wolverine. Like, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's Scotty uh, Origins. It's just well, Scotty uh, Origins. <laughs> drunk in Aberdeen. A lot, a, lot of, a lot of shots of him <laughs> screaming at the sky and the cameras pull, pulling up. I used up. to love the, uh, the episodes where the Kirk and Spock were stuck on the planet and Scotty was on the ship trying to get him back up. Yeah. You just do a whole movie like that. I could spend the whole summer in the beer plant again. <laughs> that, yeah. was a, that was one of, the, the, one of the complaints... Uh, um, uh, from some people about the the, the new movie was the the, uh, the engineering looked a bit like a large beer plant on Roscoe Boulevard. What's wrong uh, with that? <laughs> I don't know. I was like, you know, we wanted it to look really industrial, like the inside of the Titanic, and make it look more like a big ship. You know, that'd be great during a really stressful scene with you out even breaking, just pour a pint and stop it. <laughs> Wait and there. I mean, you know what was was great about you? The, the original announcement of you uh, as Scotty was. You know, when people started hearing uh, other cast members, like, and, and by the way, I think Carl Urban turned out to be phenomenal. Oh, he knocked it but out. But when of you problem. first when you first heard that, you're like, really? I don't know. But when it, but when it was like, oh, Simon Pegg is Scotty, it was yeah, like, like, yes, of course, okay, yes. Not everyone. Yes. Some people were like, really? I, there were I could constantly felt laser sighting on my neck. During well, that. that's that's that. You know, there's always going to be a percentage of neuroculture that's angry no matter what. Yeah, so they're yeah, going to yeah. be angry they didn't reanimate what's his name's body and yeah. put him back. <laughs> James doing, yeah. But like, my 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 uh, my uh, uh, co-worker in the transporter room my, the guy that sits next to me is his son is chris doing who's james doing so, so i had my connection with the old guy you know I, and and everyone else because apart from carl because obviously deforest kelly's died as well they could reach out to their respective counterparts but chris took a while to get to bill shatner and they are they did meet eventually at a, at a horse show or something <laughs> wait wasn't that a pizza place <laughs> yeah, they they find shatner. bill it's me get away from me <laughs> I'm eating. <laughs> DeForest, is that you? <laughs> this Did this start as a conversation about a book? You yes, we're talking about, yeah. talking about Nerdy Well. That, you didn't that, finish talking about Richard Awadi, sorry. Oh, well, just how you can't. He was going on and on how you can't make any money in British television. Yeah. And then he came out with Submarine. Which is great. Which is a great movie, which he also tried to prove to me that he would never make a dime and, in fact, would somehow be losing money and it would be terrible for his career. <laughs> and I'm just it's like, Richard, just outlook. keep talking until, yeah. until uh, real assisted upbeat. suicide comes <laughs> in. Just typing, this is the no one's gonna. Why am <laughs> I even? The... Well, you know, I mean, when you make the, the truth is when you make your first film and, and the studio takes a gamble on you, they cover their asses very, very well. So... You don't really see anything from it's, it, it's sometimes it is slightly galling to see an action figure of yourself and know that you will never have any compensation for it whatsoever. That, that first, though, that, that first thing is sort of like I think you know, like what uh, like what models do when they have to go out and build up their book. 
Yeah. Like, so then you can yeah, show yeah, people, exactly, like, yeah, this yeah. is what I do. It's a means to an end, love. Yeah, they yeah. go, you're not going to make it in the first one, but the second movie. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Which means now you flew here in a Bentley jet. A gold Bentley jet. Wow. Yep. <laughs> Where the wings, <laughs> and then it just lands. In and an then also submersible. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, ner- so Nerd Do Well is sort of a, it's, a, it's kind of autobiographical, uh, gro- growing up nerdy in, in England. Yeah. I got, I, I got the chance. I was going to do a book. I went to the publishing place. I said, can I do a book with like photographs of Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and, and mine and Edgar's next one, like a, a compendium backstage scene, back behind the scenes photos kind of thing because I take loads of pictures. And they went, yeah, mm, uh, why don't you write a memoir? And I thought, oh, that feels dirty and I don't want to do that. And <laughs> Why it, is that dirty? Well, it just feels like who cares what I think I'm it's about. hard for British people because you guys don't like to talk about yourself. Exactly. And there's this sense of like, I, you see them on the shelves every year, people these on smiling from the front of their books going, poor me and my life. And and then as a British person in the story, you're like, what? Look at that look cunt. That douche. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, but then I thought, okay, I'll write a story of, of uh, you know, guy goes from being doing space to doing Star Trek. And this is like a nice journey from like, you know, making a nerdy show like space to being in a nerdy franchise like Star Trek. And that felt boring because it was just like I went into work and there, there, we had burritos that morning and uh, <laughs> it was boring. You know, he's filming, filming. It's great fun, isn't it? But you tell people yeah. about it and it's like, well, I wasn't there. And what the fuck do I care? Well, ours is very exciting because we have Chevy Chase around. But uh, <laughs> I know. I, I saw the outtakes. <laughs> yeah. And hot girls as well. We've got some. I'll send you some other outtakes. Good. Uh, I Yeah. Can we talk off there? Um, I... Uh, I then thought, well, the stuff that's more relatable, the stuff that actually people might read and think, oh, yeah, I felt a bit like that, would be when I was a kid. And then I thought, well, it's not so bad having to talk about your private life if you're in control of it and you mm-hmm. can say what's said. When you, when, you, when you talk to a journalist about your private life, they, can, they take it away and they interpret it and they disseminate it how they wish, and that, that feels a bit weird. But doing it yourself... I kind of came around to the idea of being uh, self-indulgent, egotistical. But I, but I, I don't think. But I think it makes sense from the lens of I was this nerdy kid. Now I'm, yeah. now I'm, now I'm that doing, was, yeah. now I'm doing everything that this nerdy kid would have, could never have even dreamed would have happened. That was the angle. It was like, look, I did, you know, like I met Tom Baker when I was eight, and then when I was tw- uh, twenty. Whatever, three, whatever I was in Doctor Who and I went to see Star Trek when I was this and then I was with Leonard Nimoy in 2009 and that, all that all those little circularities seemed kind of you know but then you interesting would, to, would you if, say that in but in Hot Fuzz you played a the badass I did play the you badass you were the cool badass he's not a nerd yeah I yeah. get annoyed when people say oh, he plays the same part all the time because I didn't once <laughs> so, so but you that. played a very convincing badass. I did because I can, you know, I can kick it. I just don't like to show it. What so, is the, what is the next thing you're working on with Edgar? Uh, it's well, it's the title's out there. It's the moment. It's called World's End, and it's something that we are going to fiercely guard with JJ like intensity. Sure. Um, but it, it'll be the next one. In we kind of say it's going to be like Shaun of the Dead times Hot Fuzz. That will be what it the product of that equation will be the world's end so it's pretty indie like my dinner with andre yeah. <laughs> exactly. it is my dinner with andre it's just Black nick and, and it's just it's just it's just uh, nick and simon at a table at a restaurant wrestling. just talking sydney portier comes <laughs> in wrestling. yeah it's me and nick wrestling in front of a fireplace and while while <laughs> sean and there is there a- are a lot of zombies around here aren't there <laughs> they yeah. just throw them in there wow <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're hopefully going to do we're trying to get on it right now we're, I'm, I'm hopefully going to see him today and we're going to make a plan to because it's been weird because he's over here now and, and right. we're trying to get to, in a room and write together. But when I come over for, for, for Star Trek, when that happens, then we might be able to, you know, get working. Well, right. we're at, at the end of our hour, and I know you have to go because you're doing, you're doing Attack of the Show today. But I do want to say... Uh, oh, thank- really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, what are you, Thanks. Yeah, he's doing, he's doing Attack of the Show. <laughs> no, a lot of people see that. 
<laughs> now it seems like you're suggesting a lot of people don't see that by your tone. Well, why would you say? Well, no, I because said, I work I on the channel. I literally said that. And I know a lot, a lot of people, people don't see, see it. Oh my I god! I literally said. Are you being self-effacing or sarcastic? I just. It's both. He has an amazing ability to do both. It's <laughs> like a one-two swipe. Too much. It's like he'll. <laughs> it's like he'll stab you and then stab back at himself at the same time. It's genius. It's so endearing. No, it's so I'll be endearing. like, oh, I could be, I could be like, uh, I Hardwick, I could beat the crap out of you, but you're so wonderfully skinny. Yes, exactly. I'm like, I don't know how to feel about oh, that, but but I can't, so I can't come at you. I wish I had your, just hold your me. Body fat percentage. Uh, but uh, but I do want to I do want to thank you not only for. For, for, for making such uh, great landmark uh, pieces within the nerd culture, but also respecting the nerd culture. And I think one of the great things about Paul was seeing, like, you guys didn't make fun of Comic-Con, which is no. like which is like a studio would be like, yeah, let's make fun of these fucking nerds. Like, you, you genuinely, these characters were sincere about it, and you didn't shit on the culture, and I think that's really cool. Some people complained about that. It was like, they were just at Comic-Con, and no one sort of punched anyone or gave anyone a wedgie. It was like, well, we well, didn't want it. And that's not what, <laughs> that literally doesn't happen at Comic-Con. Of course, exactly, yeah. Are you going to be at Comic-Con? Uh, not this year. It always falls on my wedding anniversary. So uh, uh, this year I'm going to put my wife first. You shouldn't go because there's a lot of really weird burnt offering altars to you. <laughs> where people you know, it's so weird. That's raise like, a goat and lower I can't um, because it's where the the majority of the people that like our stuff, they tend to be that we tend to get we, we're more famous there than we are anywhere in the world. So um, it's like being a beetle there. It's quite weird. You can't get out of the hotel and you have to wear a mask to go on the floor to do anything normal. And it's it's a bit of a shame, really, because I can't enjoy it like I used to. But it's still. I saw when we were there doing the pool panel after you you you, you moderated the pool panel. Sigourney Weaver went out onto the floor dressed as Batman, so oh, she could have a shop. That's awesome. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she looked better than any of the Batman from the films because she's much taller and you know, she's nicer. wonderful. Yeah, she oh, oh, she melts great my heart. jawline. Yeah, everything oh. about her is everything about her. Zaga. Yeah, like even did. I at Comic Con, like you know, oh, can you sign? Like, oh, great, this is so great. And then I start getting in my head, like I, I think I'm kind of famous. And then I'll go to, you know, then I'll go to like Wisconsin to do a show, and like, please, everyone, no, oh, there are no photographs. All right, <laughs> no one. Um, all right, I'm on. Oh, gee, okay. Yeah, it's then, like a, fa it's a fake world. It is, you, but a wonderful one. Are you bringing one. your child over here? Uh, I will for start after Star Trek. She was born here. She's a Californian. She's, she's a, uh, oh, she's got dual citizenship. Yeah, she is. She's, well she could done. be president. Yeah, I, I had her in St. John's. <laughs> Where? Oh, in St. John's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matilda. She's. Uh, I can't wait to bring her back because she's. Um, I love the fact she was born here. I'm proud to have a little American as a child. That's awesome. <laughs> sort of like the blade of England and America. It's like, all our strengths, none of our weaknesses. <laughs> the day walker. The day toddler. <laughs> the day toddler. It's and the day what? toddler. Isn't it a great <laughs> international place with children? I yeah, we've done a we've done a couple of yeah. short ones since. You can't put them in the cargo hold anymore. Is that Not correct? Anymore. You cannot okay. because too many of them are dying from lack of oxygen. Damn so it! Like, Damn is that it. why it is? Oh. No, I don't know. The dog is coming over as well. We're all the pegs really? are coming over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be. I can't wait. The to dog get will go in the hold. She does go in. She went in last time. She came over in the hold. It wasn't too bad for her either. Yeah, they figured it out. Yeah. They don't accidentally freeze them to death. I thought she'd be like a wreck when we got her out of freight, but she was fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. Well, uh, Simon Pegg, it, this was a wonderful pleasure and honor. Great. And Joel well, McHale, no, I, thank you for letting me see Thank you for in coming here. in. I, this was so great me? to this have was, you drop by. I, this was, I, I mean, we're recording this like uh, like three feet from the soup set, so it was just, yeah. nice, it was just a nice thing. What that you were, about it? You're recording this from three feet from every set. Here. The, everything <laughs> here at the, yeah. No, have a great time on Attack of the Show. I hope they give you a cassette tape of it. Uh... 
Some rail Sorry. I can't help but make fun of you. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Listen, Joel, G4 is seen by hundreds of people. I don't know why you keep. And that doesn't even include the staff that make sure it's working on the air. Yeah, I mean, of course, that doesn't include the direct TV people, you know. But anyway, there's hundreds of people who are really into it. No, I hope you have some other great appearances. I assume they're like G4, so you're going to go to a park and just read about something. It just keeps coming, doesn't it? I'll stop right now. Stop sexually assaulting my work. Uh, all right, Simon, Nerd Duel is a book. It is available now. Please buy it. And uh, thank you so much for thank being here, much. Simon Pegg and Joel McHale. And also Jonah and Matt. Uh, enjoy your burrito, everyone. It's just something we say at the end of the show. Thanks, Chris. You're welcome, Joel. Thank you. All right. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This delightful episode of the Nerdist Podcast was brought to you by GoToMeeting, the award-winning web conferencing service. For your free 30-day trial, visit GoToMeeting.com and enter the promo code NERDIST. I feel like I was blindsided. Because it's a competition show. From the producers of Jury Duty and The Bachelor. We have scoured the earth for the 14 greatest reality contestants that were available during our production window. Comes a reality competition show about reality competition shows. Nobody has dared to find out who is the actual best at just being on a reality show. I'm your host, comedian Daniel Tosh. Is winner go home. Each episode, our contestants will face new challenges that will test their strength and lack of life skills for a chance to win two hundred million dollars. $200,000. Prepare, because it's about to be ugly crying. Lots of fighting. Tasha, I have to defend myself. Celebrating 25 years of reality TV with your favorites. I have diarrhea. You cannot do this to me. What in gay hell have I got myself into? The GOAT. Stream free on Amazon Freeview or Prime Video.